us to Mark chapter 5, verse 36. We know this is still in relation to the blessing, but we're focusing on what stops the blessing. Amen. We're talking about breaking the fear connection. Somebody say breaking the fear connection. Here in Mark chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus says, be not what? Afraid. Only what? Believe. He says, be not what? Afraid. Only what? Only believe. Now, we we've been talking about when things quit working and the faith process seems to stall in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. We must learn to honestly ask ourselves, what's keeping me from receiving? Where is the problem here? Amen. Why? Because we know God's not holding out on us. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God's not holding out on you. So if we're not receiving and enjoying the manifestations of the blessing in our lives, and if we're not receiving and enjoying the manifestation of what the Word says belongs to us, it can't be God. So it has to be who? Come on, it has to be who? It has to be us. Somewhere, somehow, we, sh we, we are short-circuiting short the power of faith. Let me say it again. Somewhere, somehow, we are what? Short-circuiting the power of faith. And we've all done that at one time or another. Everybody in this room has done it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we've done it without realizing it. And one of the ways we've been short-circuiting the power of faith is because of fear. Somebody say fear. And then we can see why the Bible commands us 110 times. Fear not. Somebody say fear not. Come on, say fear not. Why does he tell us that 110 times? Because our connection to the blessing depends on it. Depends on us not being in fear. Somebody say fear. And we know as a born-again believer, do I have any born-again believers in this room? As a born-again believer, we never have to be afraid. But we also know that, faith, that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Let me say it again. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. It is impossible to be in fear and faith at the same time. You're either one or the other. Let me say that one more time. It is impossible to be in fear and faith at the same time. And that's why fear is such a serious business. It's a serious business because why? Just as faith is the spirit connector to God and the blessing, fear is the spirit connector to the devil and the curse. Let me say that one more time. Amen. Just as faith is the spirit connector to God and the blessing, fear is the spirit connector to the devil and the what? Curse. Now, we've already seen throughout the Bible that faith is what activates the operation of the blessing. We also seen that faith releases the anointing of God into our lives. Come on, say amen, somebody. But fear is the connector to sickness. It's connected to disease. Come on. Fear is the connector to poverty and every other manifestation of the curse. What's the connector? Fear. Somebody say fear. That's why the Bible says, do not be afraid. Why? Because fear connects us to the spirit of fear, just like faith connects us to the spirit of Faith. The spirit of fear is the devil himself, folks. Let me say it again. The spirit of fear is who? The devil himself. And once again, we stated before, fear itself is sin. Let me say it again. Fear itself is sin. The reason being, sin is anything 
that disconnects you from the blessing and connects you with death. Let me say that one more time. Fear itself is what? Sin. Why? Because sin is anything that disconnects you from the blessing and connects you with death. So get rid of fear. Tell your neighbor, get rid of fear. Now, I didn't say you should cope with fear. I didn't even say you should manage fear. What did I tell you to do? What did I tell you to do? Get rid of fear. Now, last week, we began answering the question, how do we eradicate fear completely out of our lives? Well, the answer to that is, first of all, we have to come to the absolute scriptural, I said scriptural, I said scriptural conviction that through the power of redemption, Jesus has delivered us once and for all from the bondage of fear. Now, we may not feel like it. Come on, some of us don't feel like we're delivered from it. But it doesn't matter because why? We don't go by how we feel. We go by what the Bible says. Somebody say the Bible says. And the Bible describes what Jesus did for us. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. The Bible describes what Jesus did for us through his what? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. Here in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. i give you time to get there. For those that are not cheating on the screen. <laughs> Amen. Even Bruce don't have a telephone. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. <laughs> it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself what? Likewise took part of the same. That through what? Yes. Through death he might destroy him that had. Somebody say had. Had the power of death. That is who? The devil. In other words, the devil had the had means past tense. That means he don't have it anymore. Amen. Amen. Destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and do what? And deliver them who through what? Fear of death were, were, that means past tense, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That means that every fear that exists is in one way or another based on the fear of death. And according to this word of God, we've been delivered from it. Oh, somebody should say something. We've been what? We've been delivered from it. Well, look at Isaiah 53.5. Come on, say, I've been delivered from fear. Come on, say, I've been delivered from fear. I mean, you better say that like you mean it. Because if you don't believe it, the devil will, will, will attack you in that area. Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was what? Wounded for our transgression. Now, in the center column reference in the authorized King James Version, it substitutes the word torment for wounded. In other words, Jesus was tormented so that we wouldn't have to be tormented. Come on, say amen. Jesus what? Tormented so that you and I would not have to be what? Tormented. Come on, he received fear so that by faith, somebody say by faith, we could be, so that we can be what? Complete, eternal, delivered from fear. We don't have to be in fear from anything, not even the church mouse. Wow. 
Walter haven't caught yet. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. What did he do? He allowed it to do his dreadful work and connect him to the darkness of the devil himself. So, to why? so that you and I would never, ever, ever have to fear anything again. Amen. Somebody say anything. Amen. And he did it so that what? So we could believe and boldly declare Romans chapter 8 verse 15. He did it so that we could what? Believe and boldly declare what the New Testament writer said in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, where it says, For we have not what? We have not what? We have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. But we have received the what? Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. We can boldly declare, amen, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Turn there. We can believe and boldly declare in 2 Timothy 1, 7. Come on, let's deal with this, this fear demon right now. For God has not what? Given us a what? Spirit of fear. Somebody say, I don't have it anymore. But what did he give you? He gave you what? The spirit of power and love and a sound mind, not a tormented mind. Because fear causes torment, folks. Go to Hebrews 13, 6. We can boldly, we can believe and boldly declare with this with the writers. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So that we may what? Come on, do I have any bold people in this room? That we can have what? We can boldly say what? The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Come on, say that loud like you mean it. Come on, say the Lord is is, I see some lips not moving. Let's say it one more time. The Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, once you understand that Jesus has purchased your complete and absolute deliverance from fear, that's when you're on your way from living a fear-free life. But you got to understand it. Tell anybody, I got to understand it. How, why can I understand it? Because I can understand it. Why? Because I now have a solid scriptural foundation on which to base it on. Come on, are you with me out there? Amen. Go to 1 John 4.10. Now, we talked about this last Sunday, that that in itself won't totally get, you, get rid of fear. What gets rid of fear is the power of love. Let me say it again. What gets rid of fear is the power of love. In, a, in the life of a believer, love starts with the revelation that I am loved by God. Let me say that again. In the life of a believer, love starts with the revelation that I am loved by God. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. It says, herein is what? Love. Not that we loved God, but that he what? That he what? Loved us and did what? Sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Now look at verse 16. And we have what? We have what? Known and believed the love. Somebody say the love. We have what? Known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth 
in love dwelleth where? In God, and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love, somebody say love. love, love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. But verse 18 is where we're getting to, for there is, for there is, for there is, for there is no fear in love. But perfect love does what? Cast it out what? Fear, because fear has what? Torment. But here's the kicker. He that feareth. He that what? Feareth that iguana. <laughs> or that little lizard. Or the roach. Or, or we call it a mahogany bird. <laughs> he that feareth is not made perfect in love. You see, most people know that God loves them. They can quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. They can quote that. Come on, say amen, somebody. But once again, they have an intellectual understanding of what that scripture says about God's love. But they haven't known, like it says here, they haven't known and believed the love God has for them. Let me say it again. They haven't what? Known and believed it. They haven't what? Known and what believed the love God has for them. See, you got to get a revelation of John 17, 22. Let's turn there. Somebody say, I got to get a revelation of this. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. When I know that I know that I know God loves me. I don't have to fear anything because I know my, dad, my daddy is right there beside me to protect me. Why? Because he loves me. John 17, 22 says, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have what? Given them. That they may be what? One, even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and thou in me, that they may be what? made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou has what? Loved me. You hear that? It says and has what? Loved them as thou has what? Loved me. It says, it says here God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Say that one more time. He's saying here, God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And since that's the truth, we need to begin confessing it, folks. You need to confess, God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Come on, walk around saying, my heavenly father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. I believe that and I receive that. Come on, say amen, somebody. I receive it by faith just like I receive my salvation by faith. I confess it before God. Are you with me out there? My heavenly father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Come on, say that. My heavenly father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Now say, I believe it, and I receive it. Come on, say, I receive it by faith. 
just like I received my salvation. Come on, you got to believe and know the love God has for you. Come on, I confess it before God. My heavenly Father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Confess that in your car. Confess it in your workplace. Come on, confess it as you're walking down the street. Every time you turn around and think about the Lord, how good he's been to you. Say, my heavenly Father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. I mean, everywhere you go, what you're doing, you're confessing. This is how you what? This is how you activate the love of God in your life. Come on. And you deactivate fear by knowing and understanding how much God loves you. Romans 5, 5 tells us, and hope maketh not ashamed because the what? The love of God is what? Shed abroad in our hearts by who? By the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. In other words, God's own love equipment is inside of me. Because where does the Holy Ghost live? Inside of me. God's own love equipment is inside of me. It's inside of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's inside of every person who has ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. And see, God has given each of us. Somebody say each of us. God has given each of us his own mighty compassion, folks. And then he authorized us. To love people with his love. That's big. He authorized us to love people, love your neighbor, as he loved with his love, folks. Now, you may ask once again, what that have to do with fear? Tell your neighbor everything. Because why? When we know and believe the love God has for us, and we extend, we extend that love he has put on the inside of us to others. Fear cannot get a foothold in us. Come on, are you with me out here? It has to go. Tell your neighbor, it has to go. Why? Because perfect love does what? Does what? Cast us out fear. Love literally flushes fear out of your system, folks. But you got to do what? You got to keep feeding your faith in God's love. For why? By reading it and meditating on it and meditating on it, meditating what the word of God said. God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And every time you think of Jesus, remind yourself of what he said in John 15, 9. Look at that. Remind yourself of this. Every time you think of the Lord, remind yourself. Somebody say, remind myself. I have to remind myself. What did he say in John 15, verse 9? As the Father has loved me, so I what? So I have what? Loves you. Continue ye in my, in my what? Love. Get your concordance out. Look up verses about God's love and mercy. Come on, say amen, somebody. Look up the phrase from the foundation before, before the foundation of the world. Look up those phrases like that. Read about the fact that God knew you and loved you before the earth was created. Oh, are you with me out here? Come on, he knew your name. And he prophesied your future. He loved you before the devil amounted to anything, folks. Before sin ever existed, God loved you. 
He loved you before time began, folks. And guess what? God never changes. He's a God that changes not. And what happened? See, as you read these truths to yourself, somebody say to myself, when you say out loud, I receive that in the name of Jesus, by faith I take hold of the love God has for me, guess what? I say fear has to go. See, his love is not based on feelings, folks. His love is based on what? His love is based on his word. And his word says that he loves me. See, I got to go by the word because sometimes my feelings get me kind of confused. Because sometimes you don't feel like you love. Come on. Sometimes you don't feel like you love. Sometimes you find, you realize... Sometimes you send a thing, where are you, God? Oh, I'm the only one. Okay, amen. But that's why I got to stick with the word of God. Come on, the word of God says what? He loves me. It's not about how I feel. It's what he says. He loves me. He always will. And he always has. Someone say he always will. And he always has. And there's no better than a, this is, there's nothing better than a good word-based preaching about God's love to build your faith to the point it will cast out fear. Now, once the power of love has flushed out your fear, come on, you got to keep it out. You keep it out by what? By rebuking and resisting it whenever it raises ugly head up because it will. Come on, are you with me out here? You have to absolutely refuse to give fear place in your life. You have, you listen, you have to absolutely refuse to give fear place in your mind. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, 15. 10, 5 rather. See, the moment you catch, because you're going to get it, the moment you catch a fearful thought trying to work its way in, and it will do it, folks. Come on, it may hit you while you're sitting there. Because you know the devil comes to church. The Bible says he comes immediately to steal the word that was preached. So that means he's sitting there right now trying to steal the word. Come on, say amen, somebody. He don't wait till you leave the room. So the moment you catch a fearful thought trying to work its way in, start doing what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says. Casting down what? How many? All imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and do what? Bring into captivity, arrest that thing. Every what? Thought to the what? To the obedience of who? Christ, you got to arrest the thought, folks. Now, you have some people that claim they can't help from having fearful, anxious thoughts. And tell your neighbor, that's not true. Not according to the Word of God. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Reading from the New King James Version. Once again, people claim they can't help from having a fearful, anxious thought. And that is not true. 
The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, in the New King James Version, it says, be what? Be what? Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to who? To God. And what happened? And the... And the... And the peace of God, which what? Surpasses all understanding. What will it do? It will do what? It will guard my heart and my mind through who? Christ Jesus. Now verse 8, according to the King James Version, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are, what? Good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's he tell you to do? He says what? Think on these things. If the Bible tells us we can do this, that means we have the ability to do it. In other words, we can be selective about what we think. Let me say that one more time. We can be what? Selective about what we think. And I do this all the time when I'm counseling someone. Right now, everybody in this room, begin to count slowly to 10, silently right now. And while you're counting, say your name out loud. I don't hear nobody saying their name. For those of you who did it, <laughs> did you notice what happened when you said your name? What happened? Your mind stopped counting to listen to what your mouth had to say. Let me say that again. Your mind stopped counting to do what? To Listen to what your mouth had to say. And see, that's the simple solution to taking authority over your thought life. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Because some of your biggest problem is between your ears. Oh, let me say that one more time. Some of your biggest problem is between your two ears. And see, when your thoughts... Start going the wrong way. Use your mouth to turn them in the right direction. I didn't say use your mind. Because some people sit up there and say. It don't work like that. You got to use your what? Mouth. Somebody say your mouth. Any negative, fearful thought you can have if that tries to attack you, you can subdue it and overcome it by speaking the word. Somebody say, any negative. Somebody, any negative. Because you could be sitting up in church and get all kind of negative thoughts running through your mind. Come on. And you got to stop that thing right in its tracks, folks. And you can't, you can't, you can't, listen, you can't cancel a thought with a thought. 
you got to cancel a thought with words. And when you do, what happened? You can leave the devil helpless as a kitten. By what? By contradicting what he's saying with words of your mouth and refusing to take his thoughts. Because you got to understand the devil has access to your mind just like God has access to your mind. You could be sitting there minding your own business and some of the craziest things I'll try this side over here. Some of the craziest things. And you wonder, where did that come from? And the mistake you make is you say, that's me. But you don't realize the devil will shoot negative thoughts in your mind about you. Come on, and you got to cancel the assignment. And when the devil does that, when he tries to put worry on you with those negative thoughts, you have to say, listen, that's not my thought, Mr. Devil. That is not my thought. I'm not going to touch that with my mind. Then you turn to the Lord. Come on, say, I'm not going to touch that with my mind. Come on, you got to say these things. Well, why? Or the devil will bombard you with your mind and you'll sit there and get depressed. Sad, mad, and discouraged. Why? Because you have not controlled those thoughts in your head. Then you want to blame everybody else for what you should have been doing. Come on, say amen, somebody. 1 Peter 5, 7, what's he tell us to do? Come on, you tell the devil, I'm not taking that. When that thought comes, I'm saying, no, you got the wrong address. I am not signing for this package, not today. <laughs> Somebody say, not today. <laughs> what did 1 Peter 5, 7 tell us to do? Cast in all your care upon him, for he what? For he what? How much do you care you should cast upon him? How much? Let's read it from the Amplified. Amplified Bible reads, casting the whole of your care, all your anxiety. Somebody say all. All of your worries. Somebody say all. All of your concerns. Somebody say all. Then once and for all. That means I don't cast them down here and say, oh, forgive me. Like most people do. They come up here to cast down their care. They say, oh, uh, I, I give you this one, but I'll take this one right here. I'll just give you one at a time, Lord, because I know you can't handle it all. He said all. Somebody say all. Why? Because he says, for he cares for you affectionately, and he cares about you what? Watch for it. Well, look at Psalms 55, 22. Psalms 55, verse 22. 
What's he say here? Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall what? Sustain thee. He shall what? Never. Never suffer the righteous to be moved. And we got to read that from an amplified translation. It says, cast your burden on the Lord. But then he says, releasing the weight of it. And he will what? Sustain you. He'll never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. Somebody say, never. Come on, say, never. Why? Because he loves me. So using these scriptures, you say, Father, I cast the whole care of it over on you. Every single bit of it. I cast all my anxieties. I cast all my worries. I cast all my concerns over on you once and for all. Father, I'm giving this problem to you. I release the weight of it. It's yours now. You carry it. It's not mine anymore. Oh, come on. And when then you say, Father, I'll do anything you tell me to do about that thing. But I'm, this is my last day walking the floor and wringing my hands wondering what I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry another day. Let me say it over here. I'm not going to worry another day. Come on, say another day. Not another day. I'm going to bed, and I'm going to sleep. And I'm going to sleep soundly. Come on. I'm going to bed, I'm going to sleep soundly, believing the blessing as at work on me right now, and I'm going to rest on the word. Someone say, I'm going to rest on the word. But you don't understand, Pastor. I can't help but worry about it. It weighs on me so heavily that I can't sleep. If you're that person and that's the case, I'm going to tell you right now, you're in sin. And you better repent and get, get that thing straightened out. Now, to some people, that sounds kind of tough. But worry. Worry is an extremely serious manifestation of fear. Let me say it again. Worry is an extreme serious manifestation of fear, and fear is sin. So get rid of it. Tell you never get rid of it. Get rid of it, then go to sleep by faith. Now let's deal with this sleep demon that's keeping you up all night. Listen, it is possible to sleep by faith. You say it again. It is possible to do what? Sleep. Has anybody ever, ever had any sleep problems? It is possible. 
to sleep by faith. Why? How does faith come? And hearing by the what? Word of God. Or turn to Psalms 127 too. Come on, we're getting ready to knock him out the ballpark right now. Last night was your last night, sleepless night. Let me say it again. Last night was your last sleepless night. Let me say it again. Last night was your last sleepless night. It was your last restless night. It was your last getting up in the middle of the night night. Psalms 127.2. Listen, it says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth what? He giveth his what? Love. Are you his beloved? Well, he says there, he giveth his what? Give him what? Beloved sleep. The Amplified Bible reads it this way. It is vain for you to rise up early and take rest late to eat the bread of anxious toil. For he gives blessing to his beloved in sleep. So what I say, I say, well, sweet sleep is in my blessing package. But once again, everything has to be received by faith. Well, how does faith come again? By hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So I can sleep by faith if I have the word on it. But I have to get the word on it. And I have to meditate that word. And meditate that word. And meditate. Because I'm telling you how to go to sleep at night. Go to Joshua 1.8. I got to do what? I got to meditate that word. And meditate that word. And meditate that word. What's he say in Joshua 1.8? This book of the law, talking about the word of God, shall not depart out of thy what? Mouth. But thou shalt what? Meditate. So I'm speaking it. And I'm meditating. I'm speaking it. And I'm meditating. I'm speaking it. And I'm what? Meditating. I shall meditate how often? I'm meditating this thing all day long. If this is a serious issue, you better do this, folks. I'm meditating day and night. Why? That thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. It says, for then. For then thou shalt what? Thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. Notice it says you. That thou is you. You shall make your way prosperous. You shall make it what? When you meditate on the word when concerning your sleep problem. You make yourself prosperous. You have, you dominate in this area when you do what the Bible tells you to do. What? Meditate. Day and night. I'm going to sleep tonight. I am going to sleep tonight because the Bible says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. I am his beloved. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. <laughs> Go to Proverbs 3.24. So if I'm having problems sleeping, I go to Proverbs 3.24. It says, when thou lieth down, 
Thou shalt not be afraid. Yeah, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. You better receive that. So what do you do? You say, glory to God. He gives his beloved sleep, and I shall have sweet sleep every time I lie down. I roll the care of, this, of, of everything I'm dealing with this day over on my father. Come on, say amen, somebody. Who loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. I receive his love and I receive the gift of sleep. Come on, say I receive the gift of sleep. Come on, let's keep slaying and look at Psalms 2911. Psalms 29.11. Come on, Jesus said, it is written. I'm going to give you what is written for you. It says in Psalms 29.11, the Lord will give strength to his people. And the Lord will bless his people with peace. Someone say, I receive my peace right now. Psalms 4.8. The Lord will bless his people with what? Peace. Psalm chapter 4 verse 8. He says, I will, be, I will both lay down. And what? Peace. And what? Sleep. For thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in what? Safety. See, being at peace is a part of my blessing. So I'm going to bed, and I'm going to lay down in peace, and I'm going to sleep. Someone say, I'm going to sleep. Look at Isaiah 30, 15. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest. Somebody say rest. Somebody say rest. Shall you be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be your watch strength. Rest is part of my salvation package, folks. So I'm lying down in quietness and confidence that the God who loves me is watching over me while I sleep. And then we all know Psalms 23. Some of you can quote it. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay, though I walk through, not parking, not camping. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointed my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely what? 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters, folks. See, that's being at rest. That's being at peace when he maketh me lie down, folks. Come on. But we're not done with this demon yet. Go to Psalms 121.1. We're not done with this restless demon, this sleep-depriving demon that you've been dealing with. Come on. We got our Uzi out right now. Psalms 121, we hitting him upside the head. Come on, say, oops, upside the head. 121, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Who whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Listen, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee all from evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going in and thy coming in. Come on. And from this time forth, even for us forevermore. Notice these scriptures keep talking about fear or concern you have on your mind. That shouldn't be there. So get rid of it and go to sleep. Get rid of it and go to what? Sleep. See, if God never slumbers nor sleep. What do you stand up for? If you're up, the Lord might as well go to sleep. Because why? Because whatever's causing you not to sleep, you haven't released it to him yet. And he can't do anything as long as you keep holding on to it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So what do you do? You say, I thank you, God. The blessing is working. It's working for me right now, Father. Preparing my day for tomorrow. And I know my God loves me. Understand this. This will get you through anything. Somebody say anything. Give me an example. There was a woman who lived in England who slept by faith every night of the bombings during World War II. She never even bothered to go to the bomb shelter. When her neighbors didn't see her there, they went looking for her because they, they were afraid that she had been killed. So they asked her, why don't you come down there with us? She answered, I don't like those shelters. They stink and they're terrible. But then they asked her, aren't you afraid? She said, no. I found in the word of God that he never sleeps nor slumbers. And she said, and I thought there's no use in both of us being awake. <laughs> so she said, I decided to stay in my own bed and get some sleep 
the Lord will take care of me. And before the war was over, every house on her block was wiped off the face of the earth by the German bombs. Every house but one. Her little house was left standing while she slept through the whole thing. Oh, are you with me out here? Finally, let's turn to Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And I want you to, as you're reading this scripture, I want you to read it as Jesus talking personally to you. Receive it personally as I read it and you read it to yourself. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, he says, come unto me. All you that labor. Come on, like he's talking to you folks. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your what? Soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Somebody say, I receive that right now. So you say, I receive my rest. Because he said, I shall find rest tonight. And every night. But he says, for my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, I command you to be at rest tonight. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on. And understand this. Divine protection is for everybody. And see, that story about that woman wasn't, was not an isolated incident. Why? Because things like that happen all the time in the lives of people who learn to live in the love of God and learn to live, learn to live free from fear. Give me an example. Bring it home. There was a pastor who pastored a church in the old New York Stocking Change building. Across the street from this site, amen, amen, it was across the street from the site of the World Trade Center. Before the attacks on September 11, 2001, his church staff commuted through the World Trade Center every day. He and his wife were partners of the KCM Ministries. So he taught his congregation what they learned from Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. Especially about love and fear. Now, most of their church members worked in or near the World Trade Center, but not one of them was killed. Not one of them was injured when those buildings came down. Why was that? Because almost, listen, because almost all of them were late to work that day. And see, one of them was a stickler for being on time. And his wife said, if he's running behind, he won't even stop and kiss me goodbye because he can't stand to be late. But that morning, he just couldn't get it together and he was late. One church member whose office was in the World Trade Center was walking down the street towards it. And in his spirit, he heard the Lord say, run! Run! 
So he took off running. He dashed into the subway entrance, and when he did, the explosion hit. What did he do? He lived out the reality of Isaiah 54, 14. What was that? And righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror it shall not come near thee. Terror did not come near him. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that was true for so many people that day. Listen, listen, more people were late to work on the morning of September 11, 2001 than ever before in the history of Wall Street. Now, someone may ask, well, I don't see why God didn't just speak to everybody like he spoke to the members of that church. He did. He spoke to everybody there. Then why wasn't everybody saved? Because there are three classes of people involved. Somebody say three. There were those who wouldn't have known God if he had worn a sign around his neck, walked in the front door and said, I'm God, leave now. Why? Because they had never paid any attention to him. They never paid attention to him before. Those people would have said, who is that fool coming in here saying he's God? And, and they would have ignored him. And then there were also people who heard God's voice and didn't act on it. They were like the people in the New Testament who heard God speak to Jesus and they thought it was just thunder. Come on. So what happened? They just all stood there and did nothing. But then you had the third group who heard him and did what he said and they got out of there. One woman from that church had left the building and was headed back in because the people in charge had told everyone that it was safe. But she heard the Lord say in her heart, get out of there and take everyone with you who will follow you. So she turned around and called out to them all. Come on, we need to leave. But they answered her and said, they told us we can go back in. She told them, I don't care what they said. God said, get out of here, and I'm going. You can do what you want, but I'm out of here. A lot of people followed her out and went home safely that day. And one thing you need to remember, folks, you cannot be assured of that kind of protection just because you're a good person. You don't connect with it just by being a Christian. You can be saved, Holy Ghost baptized as you can be. Carry your Bible with you everywhere you go. Are you with me out there? But if you tolerate fear and you talk like the world talks all, of, all the day long about fear, you're walking away from your divine protection. 
And God has made protection, come on, divine protection available to everyone he has given. That's it. Everyone he's given that promise, I will protect you, folks. He's given everybody the promise, thou shalt be far from oppression. Thou shalt not fear. And from terror, it shall, he gave everybody this promise. But he gave it to anyone who will receive it by faith and live accordingly. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. See, Jesus bought and paid for it, why? So that everyone could take advantage of it. The problem is some people do and others don't. Last story, folks. One of the most outstanding examples of someone who did take full advantage of that protection was a woman of faith who was kidnapped by a serial killer in San Antonio, Texas, some years back. The man had already killed more than 20 women when he kidnapped her. And the police were after him. He had jumped her in the parking lot, shoved her in the car, amen, with him and said, shut your mouth or I'll kill you. If she would have been full of fear, it would have been over for her right there. Let me say it again. If she would have been full of fear, it would have been over for her right there. But she was full of faith in the word, folks. She was full of love. So instead of screaming out in terror, she said, no, you won't. She said, you're not going to kill the only person in the world who has ever loved you. Then she had her scripture book in her hand, and she just started speaking the word. And when he told her to shut up, she said, all right, if I can't talk, can I at least listen to my tape? He said, lady, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you listen to. If you'll just keep your mouth shut, I'm tired of listening to you. So she started the tape. And it turned out to be one of Kenneth Copeland's messages on faith. After a while, he said, there's something getting on me. What is all this? And she started telling him about the love of God. And he couldn't believe it, folks. He said, he said love of God. He said, you don't know what I've done. She asked, you have a little boy, don't you? And the question shocked him because he said, how did you know that? She said, the Holy Spirit told me that you have a five-year-old little boy. She said, do you love that boy? He said, yes, I love him. I love him very much. She asked, would you like him to turn out like you? He said, oh, my God, no. A million times no. She asked him, if you had the power to change him and turn him into a better direction, you would do it, right? She said, well, that's what God has done for you. She told him, through Jesus, he can change you right now. And she shared with him the plan of salvation. His name was Stephen Morin. Stephen Morin gave his life to Jesus there in that car. He emptied his revolver. Gave the woman all the bullets. Now, afraid the police would kill him on sight, he said, 
do you think Brother Copeland would accept my gun and take me someplace to surrender if I went with him? She said, I suppose he would. Come on, say amen, somebody. But before they got there, Kenneth Copeland, before they got Kenneth Copeland there, the police had caught him. And when they did, he just held up his hands and gave himself up. They didn't hurt him at all. Come on, say amen, somebody. But sometimes later, Kenneth Copeland went to Bexar County Jail in San Antonio and baptized him in water. Come on, say amen. Matter of fact, Kenneth Copeland was the last man to visit him before they executed him. And they had a glorious time together before he went home to be the Lord. And he did go home to be the Lord, even though he was a serial killer. Why? That's the love of God. I confess my sin. He's faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Because you got religious people say, I know he's going to hell. No. The blood of Jesus wipes away my sin. And God accepted him into heaven even though he killed 20 women. That's called the grace of God. Come on, are you with me out there? See, understand this. That woman's story would have been very different and would have had a very different ending if she had not trained herself to walk in love and stay free from fear. But thank God she was ready when trouble came. She had the love of God on her mind, folks. She had developed her faith. Listen to this. She had, de she had developed her faith to the place where in the midst of a life-threatening situation, she could respond not with fear, but with the Word of God. Listen, don't wait until the devil's at your door before you do what I'm talking about today. Why? Because you have the capacity as a born-again believer to do the same thing. You have been what? Delivered from fear by the blood of Jesus and you have the love of the almighty God himself shed abroad in your heart. But if you're wise, tell your neighbor if you're wise, you won't wait until you're looking at a serial killer in your face. Or you won't wait till you're dealing with a terrorist attack. You won't wait till that time comes before you start developing yourself in these things, folks. Don't wait until something bad happens and then start training yourself for it. That's the wrong time. That's like somebody trying to put shutters, put, put wood on their windows in the middle of Irma. It's too late. Because you're going to blow away with the wood. Come on, say amen, somebody. Tell your neighbor that's the wrong time. Now, maybe you feel spiritually, you know, spiritually like you, you've already made that mistake. And some of us have. Come on, the devil's kicked in your door. And now you don't feel you're strong enough in faith to deal with him right now. 
But if that's the case, find some strong believers. And get them to pray and believe with you. Let them help you get the devil off your back. That's what we're here for. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then you get busy. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time in prayer. Make sure you're in the Word. Listen, make sure you're in a Word-preaching, faith-building church. And get in it. Let me say it again. Make sure you're in a Word-preaching, faith-building church and get in it. Get strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So the next time the devil barges in on you, you can deal with that devil with your, by yourself. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So make the decision right now. Make it right now to get fear out of your life so you can stay connected to the blessing. Lift your hands before the Lord. Come on, lift your hands to God. Hallelujah. Come on, I said a lot today. And I believe that you received it in the name and the authority of Jesus. Father, we thank and we praise you. Come on, just